Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 65, a day late, but a $1.9 billion short. I'd like to be the first to report that none of us here won the Powerball lottery. It's a very sad day. It's a bad day. Gentlemen, we have Jace holding it down in the desert. Max and super producer up in Cleveland. Gentlemen, my heart aches knowing that I will not be an instant billionaire, but how does it make you feel? You know, Peter, just like the pod, we want to take the long way. We want the slow gratification. I think that if we got the money, it would go to our heads. We'd be like, oh, we don't need the pod. So I'm glad none of us won so we can continue on with this podcast. Nice spin zone. JB. Yeah, I uh, I wish I had that much money, but I don't. But a way you can get that much money, maybe, is uh, by betting on Thursday night. And I figure, you know, we're going to have a Thursday release. Why don't we maybe give a, a spread and a total points pick on the Thursday night game for the folks? Oh, boy, it's a dirty one. It it's a dirty, dirty one. Dirty, dirty game. Jeff Bezos, $88 million per game. <laughs> He's really earning his money on this one. Golly. I'm for this one. I talk about it so many times. NFC South equals shootouts. These teams, they, they can't play defense, man. I mean, the NFC South, it's anyone's division. Atlanta wins this. They're back in first. At Carolina, I don't know. With the whole con- quarterback, quarterback controversy, I think there's going to be a lot of points. I'm taking the over, and I'm taking Atlanta to cover. All right. Well, there's Max's pick, and I think – I think I'm going to, I don't know, the weather reports are not good. I saw 20 to 30 mile per hour winds in that game with rain. So yuck, just to make it, just to make it a little bit better. Yeah, that's, uh, (laughs) that's gross. So give me the under at 42 and a half, but I will take the Falcons to cover up three. Uh, I will abstain from this game just because I am too confused at a, which primetime unders unders I do enjoy, but (laughs) Thursday night, I don't know which Falcons team is going to show up. I don't know which Panthers team is going to show up. So I really feel like this is more gambling and less information-based gambling. So I will abstain from this one. But we do have a great show for you guys out there. Uh, We have reports from around the realm coming back. Our once-a-year midseason overreaction episode. We are officially halfway through the season. Uh, Mixed emotions on that one. But some of our teams, the New York Jets, are looking pretty good at the halfway mark. So at least I'm a little excited about being halfway there to the playoffs. And then we will wrap it up with our boom bust. Before we do that, I wanted to thank our presenting sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football. I know a lot of us here have season-long best ball leagues, but Jace, I know you've dabbled in Daily fantasy. What's your favorite aspect of logging in Sunday morning and putting together a DFS team? I think my favorite part about daily fantasy is just one, the immense amount of opportunities each week. You're you're throwing down some cash. You can win some instant money that day or that week uh, once the slate of games have passed. Not only that, it's just a great way, especially for dynasty players that might be rebuilding, to just stay locked in on these games, especially these Thursday night games where it's the Atlanta Falcons and the Panthers in a horrible weather game. Like no one really cares about that game only because it's, you know, Thursday on prime. Like that's the only reason people are watching it because it's the only show in town. And some people like myself, sometimes if I don't have any skin in the game or any fantasy players in the game, I'll skip out and watch the game entirely. But with underdog fantasy, you can do these daily drafts. You can do weekly drafts where you're drafting a brand new team from scratch. All your other records redraft dynasty wise. It's out the window. This is a fresh new start. Um, and it's just such a fun way to stay locked in throughout the season. And it's so different than all the other daily fantasy sites where On those sites, you get $60,000 and you get to spend the money and build your roster. And, you know, that's been around forever. This is a brand new way to do it. It's daily drafts. Like I said, for Thursday night slates, I mean, imagine what that draft looks like. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel there in your second and third round already. So it's a really fun way to get to get to know some guys you might not know. 
uh, watch them out on the field, keep an eye out for them and just stay locked in throughout the season. So, uh, Peter, I'll let you plug the rest, but I couldn't rec- recommend underdog fantasy any more than I already do. Yeah. So check out underdog fantasy. If something like this would interest you, use our code monarchy, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. Get a $100, 100 $100 deposit match in bonus cash monarchy, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y for a $100 bonus cash deposit match. Let's get into reports. All right, right off the rip, some trade deadline news that we have missed. Short, sweet to the point here. Kadarius Tony, Giants receive a 2023 third and sixth. The Chiefs receive Kadarius Tony. Jace, I know we'll start off with you, one of, one of the guys that you were really high on coming out of college. Oh, yeah. We saw flashes last year, much like how we saw Elijah Moore flashes. I hate to bring him up because he's playing like dog doo-doo. <laughs> but again, these players in last year, rookies last year's rookies class, where we saw a one or two game flash period, 2022 rolls around. We don't see great production from them so far. One is staying in New York and Elijah Moore and looking like he's going to get his role changed. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little later. But Kadarius Tony, we saw one game sample size already. What is your takeaway? I'm freaking, I, I'm just so hyped for Kadarius Tony. I mean, like, if you haven't watched him play much, which is probably pretty likely because he's barely played go look at his highlights against Dallas last season, because with the ball in his hands, he's just, he's a lethal weapon. And uh, in a small sample size, I have some stats uh, real quick. Kadarius Tony put up a 33% target share when on the field, granted small sample size, but in his rookie year, a 33% target share went on the field and then a 26% target per route run rate, which is like elite alpha stuff. So Great. Like I said, very, very small sample size, but now he's in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Like I'm buying into that upside all day. Um, and in our most important dynasty league, I acquired him for what looks like a top three second round pick in 2024, um, uh, essentially was the deal. And I, I would sell that all day. I would do that trade all day because I think he's one of those players that could quickly ascend to worth multiple first round picks if he hits. Yeah, Max, I know ceiling is probably Tyreek Hill. What do you feel like his floor could possibly be? Uh, Elijah Moore. Uh, You know, you brought him up. Why not put him back (laughs) in the conversation? But people would think this is scripted, this this jab between us. It is absolutely not. Max (laughs) just loves just – he takes the knife, he sticks it in, and then he decides to just twist a little bit on his way out. Oh, oh, the whole time. But – um. I, I don't know why, what it is with the guy. I don't know if it's his persona, what he dresses like. I feel like him and George Pickens are like brothers, man. Like they wear that thing over their head and they're like goofy guys. And just like Jason's pulling up a picture. Like it's crazy. Like, this <laughs> guy, like goofball. But he is like super, super talented, super shifty, super fast. And you put him in that offense with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the first play of the game, they threw the ball right to him. I mean, they want to get him involved. Yep. I get there's probably a design play to just say, hey, you're here. Welcome. But um, I don't know, man. I think I would pay that top three, 24 first, not first, um, second as well, just because the potential and the ceiling is it's crazy. And if you miss out on it, all right, you miss out on it. It's a second round pick. Who knows what the class will be like in two years, but it's worth the risk, in my opinion. All right, one second. Let's just find a quick value on Sky Moore. Obviously, taking a beating, 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 beating uh, over the last nine weeks. He was drafted, let's say, back half of your first round this past season. If I wanted to either trade for him or trade him away, what is that the equivalent exchange price that you guys see? Given the Kadarius Tony trade, I think maybe a third at this point. Yeah, but no one, if you have Sky Moore, you're not going to sell him for a third. You paid a first round for him. You'd rather just him sit on the bench at that point. He's so young. I mean, he was a very high like draft pick in the rookie drafts, obviously. But I mean, yeah, a third, a second. I'd pay a second for him just to see if he if he hits out. But he looks terrible. Him and Christian Watson have just been super, super big disappointments. Hold on to Christian Watson, but we'll talk about that at another time. 
Yeah, I, I think Sky more like just hang on to him until rookie draft season comes around and then evaluate the talent throughout the you know three rounds of your rookie draft. And I think some people could they would rather have Sky more. And then I think there will be some people that would rather have the 210 because they got some rookie fever. And I think that's somewhere I'd be I'd be looking to just take the shot on Sky more, throw him on my taxi squad because he's young enough and just just see what happens, because there are. A lot of these chief wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, their target leader, I mean, behind Travis Kelsey, that is, uh, wide receiver-wise, he's on a one-year deal. And a lot of these guys, they don't have huge commitments from the Chiefs at all. So I think over the next two or three seasons, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore, I I think it's going to be very interesting to see which wide receivers emerge in this offense because Travis Kelsey is getting older and older, um, and there is going to be a cliff eventually. So he's... Mahomes is going to have to sustain someone and I'm sure it's going to be at an elite level. So just buy the pieces everywhere at the cheap and throw them on the taxi squad or the end of your bench and just wait and see. Artboard plays for a lot of these Kansas city depth pieces. Let's turn to Tampa Bay. Looks like playoff Lenny is not the happiest camper beat reporters in Tampa are predicting that Rashad white could take over the backfield. Max Jace. I have always been a little bit scared of the backfield there in a dynasty lens. I've always shaded away from playoff Lenny, even as a competitor, I've shaded away just because of the uncertainty that we've seen and the way that um, not Todd Bowles, Bruce Arians was coaching his team. Now Todd Bowles is here. What do you think about the rookie's chance to step and kind of leapfrog here in the backfield? Yeah. I mean, I feel like playoff Lenny, he's always just been like that kind of, he was very reliant on the dump down passes and Tom really hasn't been going to those as often. Um, Tom's been throwing the ball a lot. I mean, last game, Lenny did have seven targets to him. Um, but when you look at it and you really think about it, like, okay, I think if Lenny doesn't get it going this week versus Seattle in uh, Germany there, I think they go into the bye week and they really reconsider things. They make Rashad white, that guy. Um, and then he has a nice playoff schedule. I mean, Cincinnati, Arizona, and Carolina. Carolina in the championship, that could be a league winner. Carolina is the third, the second worst run defense in the NFL. So I think buying Rashad White, especially in Dynasty, I mean, he probably went in the early second rounder. I'd probably pay a second plus right now for him pretty easily. Um, But I hope if you have Lenny, you also have Rashad White. Yeah, I I really don't. I'm kind of like Peter. I'm just really fading out on this, this backfield. I don't, the line is just so banged up. They're struggling to protect Tom so much. Every, every team that's facing the bucks right now, they're just shooting pressure up the middle and that offensive line, just, they, it can't handle it. Um, And I, first and foremost, I'm really not that worried about Rashad white. He's averaging 3.1 yards per carry this season. His highest snap percentage was 43% in week seven. He only played 35% of the snaps last week. I don't know where this rumor that he's going to take over is going to come from other than the, the bucks are just reaching out and grabbing at straws just to see what change can we make that maybe, you know, gives us some, some ump in our offense. So uh, I I don't know. I'm just not interested in this backfield and I'm really not that interested in Rashad white. um, Even if he's going to take over. All right, Josh Allen, the stallion looks to be injured in the jet game that he recently played second to last play of the game. Uh, it would appear that he tore his UCL slight tear in his UCL. Looks like he's going to try to game uh, game play through it uh, and try to be a gamer himself. What is your takeaway for Josh Allen the next couple weeks? If I'm the Buffalo bills head coaching staff, I'm realizing we're probably going to win this division. Number one. Yes. The jets are in the division and they're breathing down their throat but I don't care. The Jets aren't going to win that division. We have a more talented football team, right? I don't understand why they won't sit him for one or two weeks just to try to guarantee that he's good for a playoff push because you're going to need him to be 100% healthy. But it looks like he's going to try to test his luck this week. I believe they are playing the Vikings for a primo matchup of first-place teams in each conference. Guys, what is your thought? on Josh Allen the remainder of the season. Looks like Josh Allen, the runner, is going to be fine, but is Josh Allen, the passer, going to be able to sustain his options? Yeah, I mean, I like how you brought that running versus passing. Everyone thinks of Josh Allen as this, like, premier runner, and he's only has – he had two rushing touchdowns versus the Jets, but other than that, he only had two rushing touchdowns on the year. 
But this dude, he throws for 400, 300 yards pretty consistently. I mean, he's thrown for 400 twice and then 305 times, it looks like. I mean, he's got a cannon of an arm. I think that in a one-quarterback league, I'm not too worried. I think there's other options out there. The one thing that I am worried about, like if this does affect his throwing, we've seen it with Russell Wilson and his like surgeries and stuff like that. And um, last year with it, after he had that thumb surgery, I get it's a different injury, but anywho, his throwing will be affected by it. I mean, Diggs and Gabe Davis, I mean, I think they got to take a little hit um, if they can't get those that much volume, I guess you could say. Yeah, dynasty-wise, I mean, this injury is not concerning at all. Even if he had Tommy John, I come from a baseball background, and people are actively trying to get Tommy John because you come out with a brand-new ligament, and in most cases nowadays, you come out throwing the ball harder. So long-term, not worried at all. Um, But on the short-term, he's been the quarterback one in points per game the past two seasons in a row, which is already in itself pretty unheard of, but now he is currently the uh, number one quarterback in points per game again this season and three peating just seems so unlikely to me um, in fantasy baseball this past year. Uh, I drafted Bryce Harper, who was the number one points per game leader this previous season and won the MVP this season, partially torn UCL um, had injury issues and wasn't able to repeat. And I'm not saying that's a direct causation between the two or even a correlation, but I don't know why variance has its way of just injuries or new coaches, whatever it may be. Something prevents these guys from being the number one scorer two, three years in a row. And I think if I'm a competitor right now, I bet you can still go just get an absolute haul for Josh Allen. And if you were to downgrade to a guy like Tua, who I think is a sneaky buy right now, because I think his weapons are going to help elevate his floor and ceiling. Maybe you go get a huge piece in addition to a Tua or a huge piece in addition or two huge pieces in addition to like Kirk Cousins or something, and maybe just kind of jump off the train now while things are kind of looking bright and instead of in, you know, a few weeks, if maybe that UCL goes all the way or something. Yeah, I do like that idea of downgrading. I don't think I'd go to Tua just looking at his play. Like if you're a competitor. I mean, Tua plays Buffalo week 15 and then Green Bay week 16 and then New England. So he's got a tough schedule That's there. That's tough. Um, but, I mean, a guy like Kyler's been struggling. I can see him picking it up there. Or what about Jackson? Jalen, sure. sure do, you think, do you think here, let, let's kind of get a little philosophical for, for a second. Do you think that your stereotypical manager, not a Philadelphia native like myself, who holds Jalen to a higher regard? I understand that. You're not a native of Philadelphia. You're a native of Jersey. I lived here for six years. So thank doesn't, you. Doesn't matter. So let's think about it like this. I hold Jalen to, you know, whatever above what he normally would be ranked at. But let's say your normal owner is scared of Josh Allen. He wants to get rid of him. He wants to trade for Jalen Hurts, who is a quote unquote safer option. He's not going to have that 40 point boom possibility, but he's a 20 point machine. He's an absolute 20-point machine and is on his way to finishing as like a top-four quarterback this year. Do you think that it would be Jalen Hurts for Jalen Hurts and blank for Josh Allen in a vacuum in a single quarterback dynasty league? Oh, man. It'd have to be a first for me, too, on top of it. Really? Jalen can't throw the ball. He's thrown for 300 yards like four times this year. Four times out of ten? Four times out of nine. I ate because they had their buy. The dude can't throw the ball. He just can't. Like, Josh Allen has the arm and the legs, whereas Jalen literally has only thrown 12 touchdowns in eight games. Okay, so Max is at Jalen Hurts and a first, 2025, 2024, 2023. Yeah, 24. 24 class. Okay. I – I 24 classes sneaking up in my rankings. I, think I I'm don't gonna start trying to hold on to those picks. I mean, that's definitely the move I would make. I would definitely take Jalen Hurts in a first for Josh Allen, but I don't think you, I think the piece would be a lot smaller, in my opinion, out in the open market for Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts because I, the people that have Jalen Hurts, I mean, they're probably doing pretty good right now. Yeah. Um, if they're competing and if not, I think they're really excited with what they see because he does have the legs. We know that for sure. This is a really good team still undefeated. 
And, you know, he's still meshing with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, who's only in his second year. So I think I would go a lot lower than Jalen Hurts. I, I, I bet you could get more on top of Lamar Jackson than you could with Jalen Hurts in that trade. Something so I, I will say, Max, I think I might have overreacted a little bit. I'm starting to, to blank my eyes and see a little bit more of your side here. Josh Allen is what I'm allowed to admit that I'm wrong. Don't act all surprised on the camera where never nobody seen, can see never you. Never see my side, Peter. I, I always see your side, whether or not I, I agree with it. I can't that's wait. That's neither here nor there. I think something that is lost on a lot of us is the Eagles' productivity at running back. They are going to run the ball. They're going to run the, the SHIT out of the ball, and especially when they're up late in games. That is not the Bills' philosophy. The Bills – haven't had a running game the last three years while Josh Allen's been productive. They had the opportunity over the past three seasons to create a running game, and they cannot. For whatever reason, that offense cannot. And we've had two offensive coordinators now, two different offensive coordinators. They can't figure out a way to run the ball. For some reason, up in uh, up in Buffalo, New York, they cannot figure out a way to run the football, believe it or not. So I think Josh Allen, if you want to career them out, has a more certain future not that Jalen doesn't I think the organization's behind him in Philly but again they have a couple first round picks if he has a stinker back half of the year I could see them drafting a quarterback stinker stinker it would have to be I really think that they believe in Jalen and then Josh Allen's got the big contract and is going to be able to air it out more often than Jalen so I do think that he has the higher ceiling and would warrant I don't know if it's a first I think I would pay 9 10 11 12 that back third on top. Yeah. I think that yeah. is my absolute ceiling. I would never endanger a pick that has a chance of being eight, seven, six, five or lower. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree as well, Pete. All right. Moving forward, Romeo Dobbs looks like he has a high ankle sprain out four to six weeks. Christian Watson time in Green Bay, given the fact that that wide receiver court is completely depleted. Uh, I don't think Odell Beckham's going to be signing there given their struggles. Is it Christian Watson season? Let's just keep this to a minute or two. No, I really don't think so. Um, one, Aaron Rodgers looks terrible. Two, I just think that Alan Lazard's still the number one guy there. Uh, I have not seen it from Christian Watson to say it's Christian Watson season. I think it's his best opportunity. I just don't think he can do it with just how bad that offense looked. I give him a yes. I mean, I'll, I'll stash Ooh. him for sure. I'll give him, a, but I'm not 100% bought in. I'm not paying any first round capital that you might have been able to acquire for him this off season when the hype was going insane. But I mean, if someone's selling for that kind of Kadarius Tony price, I mean, maybe a little less um, somewhere in the mid range of the second round, like, yeah, man, I'll buy that talent because he is just a freak and uh, you'd love to see him pop. So I think I've mentioned this on the podcast back in the summer uh, and actually believe it or not before the summer, Right around March with the Senior Bowl, can't believe it was. You know, it's going to be coming up again soon. Um, but Christian Watson was by far and away the best receiver at the Senior Bowl. I think I watched too much of that product uh, and realized that he was going up against some legit corners at the Senior Bowl. He really was, and was just torching them. I think a lot of us are accustomed to these guys coming in the league and being instant playmakers, instant guys. We understand that while Aaron Rodgers might not be the happiest camper in the world, he could have worse receivers. He could. He could have worse receivers there. He could have worse draft pick talent at receiver there. There are some teams out there that wish they had receivers like Christian Watson and Alan Lazard. So I think it will be a big opportunity for him over the next four weeks. I feel like using a fantasy football metric to judge a NFL player is never good. Uh, Denzel Mims over the last four weeks has, uh, sorry, over the last three weeks has looked incredible for the Jets. Incredible with a capital I, but hasn't been producing. So he's going to be getting a lot more snaps. That's going to create a lot more opportunity. I know that Christian Watson, if he can prove himself in the run game and he can prove himself on maybe a couple big play catches, he doesn't have to put up 25 points. But if he can put up a couple big catches, Rogers can start trusting him more and more and more, and it's a trust game there. Devontae didn't have a great rookie year either. That's a great point. All right, let's move on. Last point, Odell Beckham looks like he's narrowing down his teams. 
any idea. I heard Dallas is a front runner, Max. How's that make you feel? I would love to see Odell in the Dallas star. I On mean, Thanksgiving? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Too many crickets, them and the Lions. For all of our listeners out there, Max is grinning ear to ear, just like the Grinch right now. Odell, I really still do believe, still has it. Um, we obviously, we saw it in the Super Bowl last year when in the first quarter or whatever, he had like 50 yards and a touchdown, then tore his ACL. I get, he just turned 30 actually a couple days ago. Um, I believe it's 30, not 29. But he, I think he's still talented. You got to see him go somewhere with a nice quarterback. So, I mean, I think Dak is pretty solid. Um, I don't know. I could see him going to Baltimore as well, just given that Bateman season's over. Let's move into my favorite segment, second favorite segment that we do here on the podcast. Once a year, mid-season overreactions. You got to stop overreacting. Overreacting? Yes. So really quick, just wanted everybody at home to know, I'm extremely envious of Jace right now. Jace is wearing a flannel. He has a log fire going on in the background on his television. It looks like the coziest room in the entire world. Oh, yeah. I had a cup of hot chocolate earlier today, too. I'm like hot chocolate on a 75 freezing day (laughs) in uh, Arizona. Gotta love it, man. No doubt. All right. Let's move uh, our midseason overreaction. This is a segment we did last year. I believe mine was that Travis Kelsey fell off and then he decided to smack me in the fantasy playoffs (laughs) by Max. Jace, Jace, yours was Daryl Henderson. Yeah, Daryl Henderson. And it turns out that you were, you were right about that. Cam Akers did, in fact, fall off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked out. I don't think it. I, I said Daryl Henderson would play well enough or had played well enough to uh, work into a committee with Cam Akers. And that didn't really happen. He kind of just pushed Cam Akers out of the way and said, I'm the running back here now. So uh, but I don't know. There's not like a true workhorse in that that uh, that offense right now. So Max, what we'll was see. yours? that Elijah Moore would fall off and never play football again. I was, it was something crazy like that. I don't know. Uh, I <laughs> oh, think Max wow, is that's crazy. I think Max's was AB is a psychopath and was going to take his shirt off uh, <laughs> after the Jets were beating them at the Meadowlands. So I, th- I think that's was Max's, but I can't remember. So neither, neither can I. Yeah. This year, let's give the honor of picking the order to Jace for being the most correct on his midseason overreaction. Jace, we have super producer in on this segment. Let's hear the order. Yeah, let's let's go with super producer Nick C. I'm feeling spicy. People haven't heard much of his voice today. If he's feeling ready, he'll kick it off. And then uh, Peter, then you go, then Max, and then I'll take up the back spot right there. All right, let's hit it. Super producer. I'm going to go with the Travis Etienne as a top two dynasty running back. You know, I can see where some people might have pause with Swift and JT still in the mix, both being injured. But I think Etienne has really started to ascend in the league and in the dynasty rankings. He's ranks fifth in rushing yards right now with 680. He's also fifth in breakaway run rate, which is 15 plus yard runs at 9.2%. And he's also fifth in yards per touch at 6.1 yards. And I really think that he's going to keep having a strong rest of the season. And I really think it's moving up and the arrows pointing up uh, into next season with the uh, Calvin Ridley trade. I really feel like the offense can take a step forward. And I think the big thing is with Trevor Lawrence, if he can make that big step forward, um, they probably still have a lot of money, even though they were big spenders this off season. And if that offense can jump into like top 10, top five, even depending on what Lawrence is made of, I mean, ETN could really just go to the moon and, and be dynasty RB. Well, probably not number one because there's Bijan, but I think he can still cement himself as a top two uh, dynasty running back for the years to come. All right, really quick. Nixie, he profiled himself out of college as a Alvin Kamara type back where he's going to be in the backfield, catching a lot of passes, and he's going to be able to burst through the tackles. From the film that we've seen the last, let's say, three weeks of him really taking that next step, 
have you been able to see a lot of the similarities between young Alvin Kamara and ETN, or do you think that he profiles as a different running back? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that, but I feel like Kamara is in a league of his own with pass catching. Like, the dude is just crazy. And, like, while ETN, he does have – he's number three amongst running backs in yards per reception at 9.2. He's shown that he can do it. It's just I don't know – like there is questions about his size and whether he can just handle like a full workload like that, but he's shown that he can do it. Even though the past three weeks, he really hasn't been catching a ton of uh, balls out of the backfield. It's really just been a lot of rushing, but I think he does have some similar traits with contact balance and just being elusive with the ball in his hand. Yeah, I I agree with that. And ETN wise, I mean, I think this is spicy, but I think ETN especially for me could be one of those Deontay Johnson kind of guys where you they're so good and they're so good at compiling stats and volume, which is really what we want fantasy at the end of the day. If we can get efficiency along with it, that's great. Um, But I think he's going to continue to get the volume and it's not like he's super small and like he's five, eight or anything. He's six foot, right? I mean, he just might be a little undersized weight wise, but he's still super young. I mean, he's, he's probably younger than some of us on this podcast and like, you know, I still feel like I'm growing a beard and like being able to do that. So maybe it's the same for him and he's able to rack up into the, you know, two twenties, but super young. I I think it's gonna be interesting to see what running backs come out of this class other than Bijan, especially landing spot for a guy like Gibbs out of Alabama. Um, and a few other guys that to highlight that class. Yeah. So there's a lot of big name running backs in that class, but I mean, he he's shown us literally everything we could ask for right now, uh, especially after mi- missing his entire rookie season, which we've seen that kill people's stock uh, before, especially running backs. So he's really paying off right now. And this is spicy for sure. And I don't think too many people would necessarily agree. But in the next three years, if he's been top three in points per game, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Now, honestly, Nixie, I love this pick. I, I think it's really realistic and i think he is a top two dynasty running back i mean you look at his stats from when he took over as his workhorse and james robinson got shipped away i mean he plays 80 percent of the snaps he's been running back nine seven three the past three weeks um and he's had over 100 yards on the ground each of those weeks and has found the end zone every time which i don't think sustainable um but i do think he gets more accumulated in the passing game and like you mentioned with ridley going there take some eyes off him given to Ridley and then it'll be a good play action and stuff like that. So I think right now he's probably my dynasty running back too, honestly. You really think so? I I think Saquon's my one. I really think ETN's my two. Over JT. Yeah. Over JT. Okay. It's overreaction uh week here on the podcast. So All overreactions are welcome. I think that is a big one, but I do see where it's coming from. Let's move into mine. I do like mine a lot. A little less fantasy implication, but more large scheme NFL related. I think the Raiders will fire Josh McDaniels before the end of the year. So currently the team is in last place in the AFC West after making a playoff berth last year with an interim head coach. They have lost – this is the, the stat I've seen floating around everywhere. They have lost three games when leading by 17 points at one point during them. That is 33% of their games to this point. Think about that. One-third of their games – we're in week nine. One-third of their games they have lost by – and having had a lead by 17 points at some time. So the entire franchise from 1984 to 2021 had only lost three games that way. In all of those years, this season in 2022, they've lost three games in their first nine like that. So here's the bigger picture. I've been listening to Mike Florio. I've been listening to a lot of um, league reporters. I wouldn't say player or team reporters, league wide reporters. There is not going to be enough money influxed by the Davis family to keep the team. So for all those out there that don't know, there's a um, taxation when things are passed down from one generation to another. So currently, uh, Al Davis does not own the team. His mother owns the team, and his mother is still alive. 
So eventually I believe she is very old and is not close to dying, but that is going to happen at some point or another, you know, nobody can run away from that. But when that finally happens, this inheritance tax is going to take place. I believe it's at 30% or 35%. So Al Davis would have to front 35% of the Raiders value, which apparently he does not have and has no other cash means to produce the Johnson family for the Jets. They own J and J so that they could produce money like that. Al Davis apparently does not have the cash flow that would be reasonable for him to keep the team. So he would then have to sell the team uh, because he could not afford the taxation on top of it. So this means if Al Davis knows he's going to sell, he's not going to be able to afford it in the future. He's going to want to produce a winner so he can sell at a higher price, especially in Las Vegas in that market. You know, if the Broncos just sold for 4.5 billion with a B, Washington's looking like it's going to sell for seven. What is a winning team in a prominent market going to sell for? So I think they are going to fire McDaniels. There's no time like the present. He needs to get his money and set up the team for future success so that he can sell it and make a proper profit. I don't have anything to add. That was very well broken down. I mean, I didn't know that Washington might go for seven billion. I didn't even know that's about Dan that. Snyder's asking price is seven billion. Well, he's a little irrational, but just like you are. But I do think that they need a winner. McDaniel's Derek Carr's look terrible. Devontae and Josh Jacobs have been fine. Um, they both have they kind of rotate, you know, one has a big week, the other has a big week. So I don't know. Sell the team. I like it, Pete. Really quick, two seconds before we move on. I saw a Devontae Adams stat, and this is the most Raiders stat of all time. So against Jacksonville, Devontae Adams at the half had nine receptions, 146 yards, and two touchdowns at the half. In the second half, he had one reception for zero yards. So if that's not the 2022 Las Vegas Raiders, I don't know what is. Let's move on. I will uh, take us away. I'll move us on real here. Move us on real quick. I'm going to say, I mean, it's an overreaction. I'm going to say Justin Fields is a top five dynasty super flex quarterback from here on out. Um, Super producer in chat just said that Fields is QB one from weeks five through nine in fantasy points per drop back, which is 0.78 and eight eighth in fantasy points per game at 19. I mean, I think they found out what can work, and it's Justin Fields running the football. They were able to hang with Miami in that high high power offense. I think that is very impressive. Um, just the past four weeks, uh, weeks six, seven, eight, nine, he's been quarterback eight, five, five, one. He's still not throwing the ball as much as we'd like him to, um, but he has been very overly efficient in the touchdowns or passing touchdowns. Um, he's only completing. 15 passes a game and he's throwing for a touchdown or two. Um, but where you're seeing this is the rushing upside. I mean, I think Lamar really started off as a rusher only and then developed that passing game this past year and the year before that. Um, so he plays Detroit this week and then Atlanta next week. I think these next two weeks, he's going to just explode. And it's good to see him finally doing this after what was a horrendous rookie season for him. I'm all in on this. I just uh, put in a waiver claim in a redraft league to start him this week, and I'm super excited for it. I mean, I really wish I would have been more of a Justin Fields advocate because coming out of college, I I felt like the hype was way too much, and I was just not about it. And I remember him bleeding into the first round of uh, some rookie drafts, and it just that was way, way, way too steep for me. But as things have gone on and people have just been leaving him for dead and selling him for back in second round picks and third round rookie picks like the upside's always been there always 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 with the leg uh with his legs not just one leg and his one throwing arm i mean the dude has a hose he has a cannon and darnell mooney chase claypool like you could do a lot worse uh at wide receiver especially for an nfl franchise that is rebuilding and retooling right now so i i think man he might be a guy that I'm I'm willing to buy high on because the upside is really, really nice. Um, and if he had one of those shocker Lamar Jackson years, 
that wouldn't surprise me at all because he's got weapons now and we've seen what he can do with his legs. He's he's a freak of mobility. That and then also you got to think they're going to draft a wide receiver next year. I just think they will. And when you look at the board, who do I see? Oh, JSN. He That'd be incredible. Fields. I mean, they both went to Ohio State. The chemistry's there. Um, I mean, it would be crazy. And I think it would just only push his stock further up. Certainly. Certainly. I think that would put JSN's up there really high, too, because that long ball would be in effect. Yeah, but there's something you guys seem to miss. I don't think that they that a Chicago Bear has ever thrown for 4,000 yards in their entire franchise's history. So, <laughs> But, Peter, there's a we need a first. We exactly. need a first. There's a first for everything. You know, when Elijah Moore had his first 50 yard receiving game of the year, I congratulated you. Hasn't happened since, but he did get over 50 one time this year. <laughs> you know what? I just looked it up. They have never had a 4,000 yard passer in a season dating back to the origins of their franchise. They're one of like the first eight, I believe. So just generational quarterback woes. We'll see if Justin Fields can buck the trend. I'm not 100% on board. I think guys that can only run, they can get game planned for easily. As you see, um, the Eagles have figured out a way to make Justin Fields a above average passer. I, I won't try to indulge anybody here. An above okay. average passer. Lamar is said, an average passer. You just said that the Eagles have found a way to indulge Justin Fields as an above Sorry. average passer. Sorry, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts' first and last name. You're going to call him the chosen one, the great one. You don't even know his name. And you call yourself a Philly ally. I am. I'm the biggest Philly ally there is. I went to the World Series. That's how much of a Philly ally I am. Yeah. Let's let's keep moving forward. Uh, who's on a board? I believe you, Jace. Yep. Here to clean it up. And mine is that Keenan Allen is either at his cliff or he's already fallen off of it. I, I think. I think Keenan Allen's best days are sadly behind him and it's getting to that point in dynasty where it's uh, I'm looking for the next stop off. And uh, the reason I say that is, is uh, I was a Julio Jones uh, holder in our dynasty league when we first got going and I saw the signs of decline and it all started with hamstring injuries. Um, and that's currently what Keenan Allen has right now. And he just cannot shake it. He's only appeared in two games this season, but he's barely played because he cannot rid himself of that hamstring injury and it's just giving me PTSD to, to Julio Jones. So uh, awesome website, DraftSharks.com. If you just look up Julio Jones injury, DraftSharks.com, the link that pops up, click it. But he's had 12 injuries to his hamstring. But not only that, when his cliff came at his age 31 season, so Keenan Allen's 30, he's got one more year to go until he matches up perfectly with Julio Jones. Um, but Julio Jones... Here are dates when Julio Jones strained his hamstring or re, uh, re-injured it, if you will. So uh, in 2020, September 20th, October 5th, November 22nd, December 9th, he just kept re-injuring that hamstring. And that is very much what keeps happening to Keenan Allen right now. And it's just the soft tissue injuries like that that just keep reoccurring his age. Um, it's just really, really scary for me. And I don't think... I'm looking to sell him this season because I do think some buzz will return this off season when next season um, is approaching. I think you'll be able to get off at a better time then, but the first opportunity I can sell him anything close to a first or, you know, someone like a Kadarius Tony plus, like I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to get a young stud wide receiver in as many draft picks as I possibly can, because all those he's a stud, he could step in and be Justin Herbert's number one option. I do think, Mike Will is looming. Josh Palmer, he stepped up at times this year. Austin Eckler demands a lot of targets out of that backfield. I just just get off now because, I don't know, in a, in a year's time, he could really be looking like Julio Jones and just never on the field. And even when he is, he's battling an injury or re-injuring himself. So just be wary. I think the cliff is here. We even saw Julio this year try to come back from it. And everybody and got some a little hype around him. Played yeah. a couple of games, looked decent. I don't think he's played in like a month. Nope. Nope. And uh, more hamstring and foot soft tissue injuries. It's just, 
it's not these guys fault. It's the age. And they, you know, Keenan Allen's played in the league for nine years, I believe. I mean, that that's a long time to play professional NFL football. I mean, even for a wide receiver. So I, I don't know, just, uh, I don't know. I, I think the cliff is here. I think there are more safe options at wide receiver relative to that age that some people could be bought in on. Obviously, Amari Cooper, you missed that boat. You missed the boat to, to kind of move over to Amari Cooper. Who do you think is in that relative range that our listeners out there could move Keenan Allen for based on where the rankings are right now? It's tough. He hasn't played all season. People are concerned about the hamstring, um, his injuries, like JB said, but he has a really nice schedule coming up, which makes it like you're not going to get fair value for him. I feel like you just got to hold him through this little stretch of games here. Wait. Hopefully he can come back next week. I know they play, I think it's on Monday night or Sunday night. Uh, they play Sunday night this week, They right? play next Sunday night. They play next Sunday night, yeah. Um, they got flexed into it. But I think he could come back next week, have a nice stretch of games there, and then I think you sell. And hopefully, I think, get like a second rounder, honestly. One thing, too, is through my Julio Jones holding experiences, one of my main arguments to people was in that 2020 year when he was battling all those hamstring issues, um, he when he was on the field, he was spectacular. I mean, he was like points per game wise, a top five wide receiver and was finally scoring touchdowns, which he'd never done uh, throughout his career. He was springing huge plays. I mean, like 60 plus yard catch and runs and he looked awesome, but you know, it fell off no matter how good he looked in that limited sample size. It was a limited sample size and it continued to be as he got older and older until he is where he's at right now. So if he has a really good stretch of games, pray for it, because I do think it'll really have people buying in and be like, oh, he's fine. He was just tampered by the the injury. He's gone. You know, he's got Justin Herbert. He's in that offense. I, you know, it, Matt Ryan, and Julio Jones looked like they were never, ever going to end. They were never not going to be good together. Until they weren't. And now that team is very different. Julio Jones is barely playing and Matt Ryan's bench. So things happen fast. And I think they might happen real fast with Keenan Allen. I think this is a good pick, JB. I think JB is going to win. He might win back to back years on uh, our midseason overreactions. But enough of this, enough of the fun. Let's move into our booms and busts of the week. A little crystal ball prediction moving forward. All right, Jace, keeping with the spirit, you tell us the order and we will stick with it moving forward the rest of the episode. Let's just uh, let's just go with the snake that we got set. I'll start us off and then I'll swing it. Uh, who does it go to? Go to Max, Max and then and me, you and then Nixie. So oh, actually, Nixie doesn't give uh, crystal ball picks, but he can if he wants to. But I will kick us off with my boom of the week. And. I couldn't really pick one, and I will pick one eventually, but I'm going with Russ, uh, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy. I think after the bye week, this team is due to finally explode, um, and they have a great matchup against the Tennessee Titans, who have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers this season. Um, They give up a lot of big plays. Russ, as we know, he, he wants to unleash the deep ball. I think we've yet to see that this season. I think coming out of the bye, I think we're going to see plenty of that, and it wouldn't surprise me. If you started a fantasy lineup and it had Russ, Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton in it, that you'd be fine starting that in a redraft format this week. And I think you could win your matchup with those three guys. But if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Cortland Sutton because I feel like bad three-game stretch. One game he had nine targets, but he didn't have a starting quarterback. People have just left him uh, for dead all of a sudden, and I don't think that's the case. And if he puts up 70-plus yards and a touchdown or two, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, Corlin Sutton slash the entire Denver Broncos uh, receiving game and passing game. No, 100%, JB. I, I saw and I logged in the doc. You already claimed them as yours there. I think Cortland Sutton has a monster game. I think the game plan, as you mentioned before, and he's not as bad as he's been the past three games. So I think Sky's definitely looking up. Pete? Yeah, I looked at Cortland Sutton, and I'm just scared. He's definitely a receiver that can blank you and it not be fun. But this week with this particular matchup, I'm very confident he sees five targets at a floor, at a floor, five targets, ceiling maybe eight or nine. And then with that, the yardage can only uh, exponentially grow. So I'm all in on this pick with you, JB. 
Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's talk about another guy named Cordero Patterson. He's going to be my boom of the week. Um, he's finally healthy. He's back again. Went on IR there. He gets the Carolina defense, which is second worst against the run. We've mentioned how it's going to be raining there. I think they run the ball a lot. Um, the He's played in four games really this season where he's been like healthy and played a decent amount of snaps. He's been running back top seven running back three of those four games. The guy gets the workload. He always finds a way to get in the end zone. I don't know what it is with him. Um, if that is plus money tomorrow night, take that for sure. Um, I got it on Fliff for plus 200 uh, last week, which was awesome. Uh, that was JB's pick, so shout out JB. But love Cordero Patterson this week. I did just acquire him in a trade. I paid a pretty hefty price. It's something I was a little more than I wanted to pay, but I think if he could win me some games, it's worth it. Um, so Carolina and then Chicago, which is his former team, which I could see him feast in next week as well. I'm all in on Cordero. I think he looked great in his return. I know that his yards per carry weren't great, but when you watch him, you can tell he's just he's such a good athlete. He's such a big dude that runs so well and just such a crafty player. I mean, one of the more fun players to watch in the league, like fantasy aside. So it's going to be fun to watch him in prime time, especially if it's raining. I mean, they're going to hand him the rock. Arthur Smith is going to give him the rock. Um, what do you have? 13 carries coming fresh off of his injury where he was on the IR for uh 13 carries after missing four weeks had a catch for nine yards i mean pretty involved for coming right off the shelf um i think he gets more work in this matchup especially if the weather's bad carolina's defense they're you know they're all right they're all right but nothing to fear whatsoever and yeah like you said max the dude has a nose for an uh a nose for the end zone so i'm all for it i'll never i'll never deny cordero uh especially after he won us some money last week so we'll take that i love cordero I think he was a must-own for any competitor this year, and I dropped the ball. He was going for very cheap. Super producer beat me to the punch uh, this season on getting Cordero. Uh, So I I look at this matchup on Thursday night, and it is just a hodgepodge of what the heck is going on with defense. I think your elite-level stars will probably score. Elite-level stars. So, like, Cordero has been an elite-level star the past season. I think he will score. DJ Moore is going to probably score in this game. I know AJ Terrell has been locking people down, but he scored the last time and kind of had a big game. So I, I, I think, think AJ Terrell's out too. Is he? My, he's I, been out for a while. He might out, be out still, but if he's there, he's at least limited because he's been missing the past couple of weeks. So, yeah. So if he's, he's not playing the game, I apologize to listeners for not being up on that one, but if he's not there, I think DJ Moore's a plug and play wide receiver two this week with potential wide receiver one upside. So oh. I, I'm I'm all 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 in on uh on our boy Cordero this week. Atlanta is the worst team against wide receivers. They're 32nd against the pass on yep. fantasy matchups. Just watch the weather though. The weather is the one thing where if we're getting 30 mile per hour winds. PJ Walker, Baker Mayfield, whoever that is, chucking the rock. Sammy D. Yikes. Sammy D got elevated. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Hey, so we'll see what happens. Three headed monster. <laughs> but for real, if the weather's bad and Atlanta defense is on your waivers, I think they're a play. I really do. Certainly. I mean, the same goes like I think Atlanta's offense. Like I wouldn't start Carolina's defense because I think Atlanta has a more a better running game with Mariota and Patterson, but vice versa, man. PJ Walker and them, they're going to be throwing and turn the ball over two, three times at least and a lot of sacks. All right. Let's move into my boom of the week. I have not a spicy one. I've been, I've been given real spicy takes last couple of weeks and they've been paying off for the most part. Not going to lie. But I look at Dalvin Cook here in this spot against this team. I think Cook is going to have a kind of return to form game. I know Dalvin has had a good year, but he hasn't had that elite top five level production that we're used to seeing from him on the season. I think he's going to have a top five game here. I really do. I look at the Bills defense. It is statistically very good against the run. Last week, the Jets offensive line was able to pound ground and pound it all game long. I believe that there's enough injuries on that Bills defensive line that this should be substantial enough. Dalvin Cook is going to absolutely 
punch his way through this D line. Something I will say, this is the important part and a big reason why I'm picking Cook to be the, the big playmaker here. I believe Tredavious White is coming back this week. He is a lockdown stud number one corner in this league. I think they're going to have to lean on the running game a little bit more if they want to keep the Bills, number one, off the field, and number two, keep scoring points, keeping scoring points. I don't think they're going to be able to score as many through the air in Buffalo. I think they're going to have to run. They're going to have to ground and pound the ball. I think Dalvin Cook finds his way into the end zone for one, maybe even two touchdowns. Yeah, I I think that this is going to be a high-scoring game too. I mean, these are both – Two very, very good offenses. Hopefully Josh Allen's healthy and can go so we can see this at a full speed, everyone healthy kind of game. But it's not the spicy pick like you used to have with the Jets and Dontrell Hilliard, Peter, but I think you've been hot on this. Did I hit? You hit as well, man. You hit every week, so I'm riding with it. Yeah, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair as well. I think the Bills' defense on paper, they're rock solid, but – they are really, really banged up right now, missing a lot of key pieces in that offense, even if they get white back. Um, you know, he's coming off an ACL and we've seen running backs. We've seen guys all over the field um, come back from these ACL injuries and not have the speed they once did. And it takes them a while to kind of get back into things. So, you know, even as Dalvin busts into the secondary and Tredavious White's there, you know, I'm not even as scared of him in that aspect. So I, I want all the pieces in this game. And I think, you know, uh, for Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, you know, on sleeper, the matchup is as red as could be with the Buffalo Bills. Probably is the same thing for Dalvin Cook. I, I think that's highly deceiving with how banged up this team is and how many points are going to be scored. So Dalvin Cook, yeah, I'm with you. I think this could be uh, the return to form game for him, for sure. All right, I'll flip it around. Let's move to the bust super quick. Want to apologize to Super Producer Nick C for this one ahead of time. I think Austin Eckler is going to have a rough game. A very, very, very rough game. The 49ers, I know, this is what I'm going to hear. He's the only guy in town. He's going to get all the dump offs. I don't care. I don't care. That linebacker group from the 49ers is legit. They do not mess around. I think Echo is going to get popped in the backfield multiple times. There's going to be a lot of screens, a lot of reads that are going to get completely blown up. He doesn't rely a lot of his points on yardage and touchdowns. A lot of it is dink and dunk plays that he's getting, you know, one point in full point PPR, half a point in half point leagues. I think a big portion of his game, his upside game is going to be cut. I can still see him scoring 10 points, 11 points, but I can't see him reaching that upper echelon 18 plus this week. Yeah. I mean, I agree with the logic there, Peter, the 49ers defense is, it is for sure legit. I think the only way he has one of those big boom games is if he gets two touchdowns, which he can definitely do. Um, but just given the matchup, given the stats and everything that we're looking at, and with those guys being out, like if Keenan's out, Mike Williams is out, they're going to be keen on the run. They're going to be keen on Eckler. Um, and I think it's at San Fran, which I, I know it's not a big factor, but. Faithful to the Bay. Yep. That's right. I, Sunday night. I, I love this pick. I actually, yesterday, was uh, when I was typing in the doc, I put Austin Eckler down for many of the same reasons you outlined. One of them being especially that the the San Francisco 49ers are at home off of a bye. So they've had, you know, excess time to game plan around Eckler, who is going to be the only show in town. Last week, uh, when he was the only show in town uh, at Atlanta, only 14 carries for 47 yards, scored a touchdown, and then seven catches for 24 yards. Like the efficiency was not there. The Falcons were able to limit him quite a bit. He did score two touchdowns, and he's scored at least two touchdowns in four out of his last five games, which is madness, like absolute madness. And I do think, yeah, this run defense being the only show in town, the whole week to, to kind of game plan Austin Eckler out of things. I think you're never going to bench a guy like that, especially the number one running back right now in points per game, but he's one of those guys this week where you're going to manage your expectations. And it may be instead of the low end flex play, that's just safe. You want your 10 points. Maybe you kind of shoot for the, you know, the MVSs, the, you know, the Van Jeffersons, these deep ball guys that you just, you need home runs. You need a hundred plus yards and a touchdown off of three catches. This might be the week to get one of those guys in your lineup. Maxie. Moving on. Moving on. 
Peter goes with the number one rush defense. I'm going with a running back that plays the number two rush defense. Um, kind of with a tag team duo here. I'm going with Aaron Jones slash A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon has looked so, so bad. Um, Aaron Jones is busted ankle right now. He was in a walking boot following the Detroit game. Who knows if he'll even play? Um, I just don't see him being able to succeed versus Dallas D here. Um, the game is in Lambeau. They're without Romeo Dobbs. So it's like their passing game so bad. Dallas knows they're going to have to run the ball or just dump it off to the running backs. I think these guys could be relevant in full-point PPR, um, but in half-point PPR, I just don't see them getting enough volume and catches and able to put up a big week. I mean, obviously, if you have Jones, you probably drafted him pretty high, or you're going for it if you have him, hopefully. Um, You're going to have to play him, but just really temper your expectations. Um, If he can't go, I think A.J. Dillon gets a little boost, but I just don't think he can do really well against this defense. If you were in a situation where you have Aaron Jones and he practiced it in a limited fashion, so it sounds like he's going to be out there right now. If you have Aaron Jones, but you also have Tony Pollard, who may or may not get the full allotment of snaps with Zeke due to return, are you making the full pivot to Tony Pollard over Aaron Jones in the same game? Yeah. I mean, even when Zeke was getting some carries there, they were splitting about 50-50. I think what we saw from Tony Pollard a couple weeks ago before that bye week, they're going to give him the rock even more. I think it's going to be leaning towards TP's backfield more and more every week. Well, thank you. I just slotted him into my lineup. Yeah, I, I like the pick here, Max. Green Bay is spiraling, 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 spiraling right now. That Cowboys defense is legit. I hate to admit it, but I very early in the year still, but I think I was wrong about the Cowboys. I thought they were going to take a very large step back it would appear that they are seated firmly exactly where they were last year. Uh, that defense, while on paper it got worse, maybe another year gelling, got it a lot better. I'm 100% on this fade given all the circumstances. I, I, I actually think that I would actively be hunting for a different running back that is projected less points to play over Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon, depending on whoever starts. I agree. I would too. If I Cleo Herbert against Detroit this week, I'm firing 100%. him up all day. Kenny Gainwell, perchance Kenny Gainwell against Washington. Maybe, maybe that's deep. That's Ten deep. Pointer. I started deep. him last week against you, JB. I knew he was due. You did know. That was painful. That was painful. All right, Jace, you're up. All right. Final one here. I'm going with Terry McLaurin. He was a boom candidate for me at one point earlier uh, this season because Taylor Heineke was going to be his quarterback, but it was in a lot better matchup because he draws uh, Darius Slay shadow coverage in this one, which is not good for anyone, especially uh, wide receivers that have Taylor Heineke throwing them the ball. Last season versus the Eagles with uh, Taylor Heineke as his quarterback, Terry McLaurin put up seven catches for 61 yards, no touchdowns. I think you can expect much of the same kind of a a flex play in full PPR. I think he can get you 11 or 12 points, but in half PPR, if you're playing in the standard league, I'm actively looking to put him on the bench and, uh, and put someone else in there for him. Um, I just, I don't think there's any upside this week in this matchup for him. The Eagles are so good at containing big plays and keeping things in front of them. And Terry, what he does best is get behind secondaries and make contested catches and big plays. So I, I just think this is a poor matchup. Um, and if I have Curtis Samuel in the same matchup, I'm, I'm firing him up over Terry this week. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Terry's stat line this week's like three catches, 40 yards. I mean, we're talking five points. And if you're starting Terry, you're probably, he's probably your one or two wide receiver. Um, it's going to be hard to sit him just probably because he's, uh, he's, he's, he's been solid. He really has been, but given the matchup with big play slay, Jace, I love the pick. I think. Even on Monday night, I love Monday night even more than the next guy. I also will say Joan Dotson will probably be back this week. So that will also yeah. limit Terry's workload. Certainly. Scary Terry. Not so scary on Monday night. In Philly, this was supposed to be the Wentz revenge game. In the city of Philadelphia. This was supposed to be the, the Philly Wentz revenge game, but sadly. Wentz is not there. Uh, he's not, I don't believe he's currently with the team actually doing his rehab. So I think this is going to be an easy stinker. If Wentz was playing, I think Terry would have went off for a hundred yards and a touchdown. 
But since he's not, and we have Taylor Heineke, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty ugly. I agree. As bad as Carson Wentz is, he's not as bad as Taylor Heineke. And I love Taylor Heineke, but they're just... Oh, no, this was just solely on the fact that it's his return to the link. And he was, you know, the tickets for that game were like 500 bucks before the year just to get in, mm. just mm. to yell at Carson Wentz. So <laughs> I thought he was, you know, he was going to show up there and just screw over everybody. It would have been hilarious, but that would have been, that would have been in his nature. Screw everyone oh, yeah. over. I'm no doubt. Oh yeah. All right. Well, look, wanted to wrap up the show today. What did we learn? We learned that nobody here won the $1.9 billion jackpot, right? But that's good. We don't, we didn't want to win it. We didn't want to win it. Spin zone. Uh, so we didn't win 1.9 billion. We got through some reports. Our midseason overreactions came through. Crystal balls as well. We will see all of you next week, where it is 100% that we find ourselves on the other side of the 2022 NFL regular season. Gentlemen, the fantasy playoffs are creeping up slowly but surely. Everybody, stay tuned to the Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. Elon's new uh, takeover over there. We're going to try to get verified, maybe. Uh, Want to try to get verified the old-fashioned way, though. We're going to try to submit and get a big enough following so we don't have to pay the man. But uh, keep an eye out over there. Fantasy playoffs coming up. Super important time to be plugged in, not just because we want to grow and we want to help you out, but because this is a very important time to stay on the waivers, stay on Adam Schefter's notifications, stay on our notifications at Dynasty Monarchy. Very important time for the Twitter. So again, at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter, subscribe on Apple Pod, Spotify, however you get your podcasts. Everybody have a safe, enjoyable week. Get ready for week number 10. (laughs) Everybody get ready for week number 10. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy